It is, it's me, it's TRG, the Ramblin' Gambler. Reaching this itch in my soul, it's like any good playing card, must be why I'm thinking about Las Vegas. This is episode 56 of our Casino Combat Podcast. If this is your first time joining me, or your next time joining me, thank you for sharing your time with me. Everyone and anyone, Tony and Mrs. Tiger, Bugs and Lola Bunny, only gamble with money you can afford to lose. Do not gamble with money you need to pay bills. My past performances are not indicative of anyone's future results, including my own. If you have a gambling problem, contact your local problem gambling hotline. If you do not know how to contact your problem gambling hotline, send an email to help at casinocombat.com. We will find that information for you. We will make it available to you. Everything I'm going to share with you in this podcast is based in fact. Names and dates have been altered to protect the innocent and the guilty. Minor items, unrelated outcomes may be admitted in the interest of brevity and clarity. <laughs> All right, okay. Um, we just finished another month of rambling and gambling, which means our virtual VIP lounge segment this week will be a results segment, as it always is at the end of the month. We want to sort out if Team TRG won or lost the month of June 2021. Every new beginning comes with some other beginning's end. Since this past week was both the end of a month and the beginning of the month, I'll cover results and observations for the week in our first segment to open this episode, a travel segment. Often when I discuss gambling for a profit with people, I get a question about how casinos respond or would respond if they knew what was going on or when they figure out what's going on. So I will do a question segment today and cover that as well as a question I received via email this week about one of the games in the podcast. We'll have a moment of casino wisdom segment as well. I saw what I considered a major technique mistake this week, one that is covered by a favorite casino wisdom of mine, so we will use that time to revisit the topic and put some emphasis on it. So our battle plan for this episode is travel, questions, wisdom, and virtual VIP lounge. Just a couple of items from the Casino Combat universe before we get started, things that I wanted to share with you uh, as, we, as we set up the podcast. First up, from a promotions point of view, my mailbox and apps are really, really full. Things are back to normal and a little bit plus normal. Places I've only been a few times, like the two My Choice properties, the one two hours west and the one two hours south, are sending me not only the modest free play offers I've been receiving, but also offer offers for gifts that don't require a bunch of points or anything. Just, you know, show up, here's the gift. And I love those offers because I can stop on my way to or from some other property and pick up my gift play a little bit and keep the promotions coming also we talked last week about the new resorts casino opening up in las vegas and the fact that their reward system includes badges and trophies as well as just points things that you can earn that earn you other things i've learned since last episode that the caesars brand is doing a quest for rewards promotion in july and august they've done this in past years and how it works is you earn badges for doing a variety of things within the Caesars brand. The more badges you earn, the more tier credits and drawing entries you receive at the end of the promotion. You do need to register for the promotion on the Caesars website, however. It's not automatic. You can't do it at a kiosk. Just use any search engine online and search for Caesars Quest for Rewards 2021. And it'll take you right to the page where you can register. After you register, you'll be shown how many badges you have and what things you can earn badges for. If Caesars is one of your brands, this is a promotion worth planning around a little bit, because even if you are not going to visit one of their properties during the promotion, you get badges for other things. Things as simple as having their app on your phone, uh, signing up for their World Series of Poker website, them having your email address on file to send you promotions, 
some things you've probably already done. I know in my case, I had two or three badges as soon as I registered, just for by virtue of re registering. Um, and some other things that if you really wanted to get aggressive with it, you could easily do at zero cost from the comfort of your own uh, device. Let's say it that way. I'll assume if you are a Caesars customer, you have the app. Since Casino Wisdom number 74 teaches us that if there is an app, get the app. So even if that and an email address is all you do during the promotion, those are free tier credits to be had, as well as drawing entries that don't require you to be present anywhere to win. In this case, you can actually win the car from the couch. If you are new to the podcast, we will have a Casino Wisdom segment today, and those wisdoms are a combination of knowledge of or experience with casinos combined with an action based on that knowledge or experience. We have a whole bunch of them. Inner Circle member, Keeper of Wisdoms, was kind enough to create a complete list of them and the first episode where I discussed them. If you would like a copy of that list, if you would like a list of all the wisdoms, send an email to trg at casinocombat.com, spell combat with a K, and put two words, just two words, get wisdom in the subject line. We have an email bot named Fred who watches my email box, watches my inbox, and he will see your request probably before I do and send you a link to download the list. Fred is a very clever email bot, thanks to some clever programming uh, by T-Rex and myself. If you instead put the two words slot tactics in the subject line, he will send you a link to download my ebook on slot play. It's called Casino Combat Slot Tactics, and that's a link to download it. It's, it's not a link to pay for it. I'm not trying to make any money off of it. Just putting it out there for other people to enjoy, test, and hopefully make money from the way we do. There we go. All set to start the episode. Let's do the travel segment. Since we had just returned from the Atlantic City trip I discussed in episode 55, last week I focused on work and Mrs. TRG focused on spring break tasks around the house which means I only visited four casinos during the week, and she joined me for a quick overnight to Casino One on the fourth trip. So only only four casinos this week. Didn't, didn't hit it very hard because I'd been in Atlantic City. I started my casino week with a stop at a slots-only casino on my way home from a client appointment. I had used Casino Wisdom number 63 and planned both the customer appointment and the casino visit around the promotions being offered. This casino was giving away a mystery gift on this particular day, and I had some free slot play available as well, and a food comp available. And the food comp and the slot play were available all week, so I planned the whole thing so that I'd be there the day of the mystery gift and take advantage of all three at once. I knew from past experience that a mystery gift giveaway means that they have a variety of stuff left over from previous promotions and giveaways, and we would get a choice from among several items. I selected a set of eight coffee mugs that seemed to be the best value available. Either one of my sons will need them for something, maybe for my oldest son's uh, Airbnb, something like that, or they'll get resold. It, it's just going to be an extra thing in the opportunity stack until we sort out what to do with it. I doubled the free slot play I was giving using TRG slot strategy number one and enjoyed my free lunch while watching a couple of horse races. Not a bad way to, to be on the casino combat grind, right? Stop in get a free gift, win some money using free money, enjoy a free lunch while, while you're watching a horse race. It, it could be a lot worse. There are tougher ways to go about things. Also last week, I stopped at my local full-service casino and picked up a free bet, conked myself lunch using points, played a losing slot machine, and continued my gambling at craps for education and tier points. 
I'll have a more detail. I have some more details uh, on the crap stuff when we uh, when we talk about things in the virtual VIP lounge later in the episode. But I consider that process a big success that I've gone through in the month of June. I both won money, at least on the crap side of things. I both won money as I gambled for education and tier points last month, and reached the third tier in this casino's tier system because they had multipliers that they were offering on Wednesdays and Fridays. To put that in perspective, this casino makes you earn status every six months, not every year. In the first five months of the earning period, I rarely visited and earned a total of 11,000 of the 100,000 points needed to reach Tier 3. In the last month, I earned the remaining 89,000 points with four visits during days with multipliers. As a result, I will have an opportunity to pick up a variety of gifts over the next six months, and I expect an increase in my free bet amounts as well. So, I gambled for education and tier credits to get benefits for the next six months, and along the way, I actually won money. Mrs. TRG and I didn't really want to be away for the entire 4th of July weekend, but we did make an overnight trip to Casino One, and we spent our Friday evening there. Bubba was kind enough. Bubba's my host, by the way. I shouldn't just blow past that. Bubba's my host. I've known him for years. He became my host again, actually, the, the first visit of this podcast. He was kind enough to, to fully comp our rooms, and I always appreciate that since my mailer always says it should be half price on Friday and Saturday nights, and he just knocks it all the way to zero. It is fun to go down, have a date night, and hit the button on the remote on the TV to check out, and it says we owe zero dollars, and a tax of zero dollars. Uh, both TR Mrs. TRG and myself received some match bets in addition to the room comp. Uh, sadly, Mrs. TRG had a, had a rough trip with three losing blackjack tables, although she continues her trend of keeping her losses very, very, very small. And when I say very small, like one or two units. So she's not getting absolutely slammed in trash. She's watching her negative exit uh, very aggressively, very correctly, but she still had three losing tables. She did finish the evening with a small slot machine win, however, which was nice. Nice way for her to finish her evening. I had a more, um, yeah, let's say choppy evening, for lack of a better word, with two losing tables and a winning one that offset all of the losses from one of the other two tables. We also had kind of an interesting experience slash observation that, that we'll talk about um, when we talk about a casino wisdom here later today in this episode. All said and done for the week, we lost about a day's pay doing casino combat and received more than that in comps and promotions, so we have a non-cash profit for the week and a great date night. I received some questions this week, and I'll answer those questions next. What? What? My sons have been around gambling so long that they often ask questions about gambling, and listeners ask questions about gambling. Sometimes questions even come up in casual conversations. And I have a couple of those to answer for you today. Let's do an email question first. Uh, Willow wrote, Hey TRG, I've been enjoying the podcast. I usually listen when I'm in the car, so I don't get to do sips with you in the VIP lounge, but that sounds like something fun for my husband and I to do with you and Mrs. TRG if, if we are ever somewhere at the same time. That would be fun, and that would be fun. If we can work that out, that would be great. I'm, I'm trying to work on something, folks. I'm, I'm going off her email here, and that's not exactly fair to her, but I, I'm working on something here, folks. I'm hoping to do it in the next few weeks, certainly hopefully doing it in the, in the next month. I'm going to redo Fred. Uh, the, 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 the bot that runs the email piece of things. And, and we're going to try to give you a way to pick what you want from the website. And if you would like also receive, uh, probably a monthly newsletter where I'm going to try to, and not going to call it a newsletter. We'll figure it out. 
Um, but uh, something that I would email out that would maybe be some thoughts that don't fit in the podcast, some extra stuff, as well as our travel plans for, for destinations, not just when we're going locally or, you know, to one of the casinos in the region, but we're going to be in Atlantic city or we're going to be in, um, Las Vegas, or we're going to be in new Orleans to try to project that out a little further and, and give some of you an opportunity to, 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 to meet up with us so we can meet you. So you can meet us, you know, kind of like we did with, uh, ECE and Mrs. ECE when we were in Atlantic City do some of those and if we can start to get that going Willow we would love to meet up with you and your husband for some sips in a real VIP lounge that would be absolutely great um, and I'm sorry for the digression folks sorry about that she just got me thinking about something that we've been talking about behind the scenes uh, she continues or I continue with her email I heard you mention the games in the podcast when Keeper of Wisdom joined the inner circle and decided I need to try to join by listening from the very beginning and figure things out and join the inner circle myself. I know you don't give hints, but I'm hoping you can answer a question to clear up something I think I'm not understanding correctly. You refer to your local casino and an MGM casino that is slots only near a client you visit regularly and a slots only place at a racetrack where you sometimes stop for lunch. Is that two different slot places or one place described two different ways? Keep up the good work. I enjoy the podcast and look forward to each episode. Oh, that's so nice. So, Willow, um, thanks for listening and taking the time to email your question. I, I did email you this information, but I thought others might benefit from the answer as well. So I'm going to do it here, even though I've already given you your answer. Hearing this from your point of view, hearing this from Willow's point of view, I can see that I have not always described this particular situation as well as I could. So since I haven't done that as well as I could have, should have, would have liked to have, in my city, in the downtown area, there is a casino with table games and slot machines and video poker. It's about 30 minutes north of my home. It is not affiliated with any national brand, although it used to be part of the Caesars brand. I refer to that as my local casino which in hindsight is a bit of early podcast arrogance on my part. For many years, I did not even consider slot machines a viable option for winning at gambling. So I tend to think of properties with table games and slot machines as, air quotes, casinos, and any property with only slots as a slot parlor, not a casino. And probably not a distinction that I should make and or a distinction I should have been clearer about from the very beginning. But we live and learn. As I said... My local casino is a full-service casino about 30 minutes from my home in a major city. Just a little south and east, about 20 minutes from that casino, there is a horse race track with slot machines. It is part of the same local brand. That is where I often stop for lunch and a little free slot play. Another roughly 20 minutes east and south from there is that MGM slots-only casino, and it's at another horse race track. I have a customer about five minutes from there. As a result of where these casinos are located geographically, if the promotions line up correctly, I can finish my work at my customer, stop at the MGM slots-only casino for some free play, then get quickly on the highway, jump off two traffic lights long enough to get free lunch and some free slot play at that casino, and then travel to my local casino for additional promotions if they're available. And if I do all of that, I really only add about 30 minutes to my trip home. I hope that clears things up for you, Willow. Thank you for writing to ask. Thank you for the invitation. If we can meet up to, uh, to get together with you and your husband and have a drink, that would absolutely be great. I hope we get a chance to do that. The other question I wanted to talk about today is one I hear very often when talking with friends and family about gambling for profit. 
And the question always goes something like this. But what happens if casinos figure out what you are doing? Won't they stop you? Won't, doesn't, don't you ruin it by telling people about it? And I always respond that our winnings are trivial to the casinos compared to what others are losing. And that's because we are involved with multiple brands. No one brand sees us as winning all the time. We don't win all the time. I've never told you we win all the time. We just win more than we lose most months. I've been told that casinos have an archetype they apply to some players who are winning. It's called being a lucky drunk. So they don't think you're winning because you're good. They think you're just drinking and having a good time and happen to be winning. I'm sure often our wins appear to dealers and floor people as if we are just being lucky drunks. They don't realize that we are well prepared to drink and gamble. It doesn't change our decision making. It doesn't change our positive and negative exit points. It doesn't change our unit size. We've got that all dialed in. We've had that all dialed in. If we didn't, if we weren't that well prepared, we wouldn't drink and gamble. We just wouldn't. But we've practiced for years. We know what we're doing. So we always recommend that people don't drink and gamble. But if they are, be as good at it as us. I was reminded of this when we were in Atlantic City a few weeks ago, this whole idea of lucky drunks and not looking like our wins make a difference compared to other players and all of that kind of stuff. We were at a full blackjack table on Saturday night at the Tropicana where we were staying, and we were each winning a modest amount. But the rest of the table was all young 20-somethings having fun on Saturday night, gambling for entertainment, and playing the most horrific blackjack imaginable from a gambling-for-profit point of view. They were losing hundreds in a few hands at a $15 table, not knowing basic strategy or not caring, making poor plays, going, oh, I know I shouldn't, but that's why we're gambling, right? Because they were gambling for entertainment where we were gambling for profit. And then they'd pull out hundreds more and they'd repeat the process and pull out hundreds more. And if one of them ran out of money, they'd just give their seat to some other friend waiting and that friend would repeat the process. Me and Mrs. TRG winning several hundred dollars each while ordering multiple rounds of drinks doesn't look like a big deal in that environment. We just look like lucky drunks on a Saturday night. Let's take this a step further. And I'm doing this from memory. I didn't go back through my records to find the exact time that this happened. I'm pretty sure it's happened multiple times. But I always think about Casino 1 and Casino 2 when I think about this question. See, they're very close to each other. And we often visit them both on the same trip. We won more money than we lost from both of those properties over the past 12 months, but that doesn't mean we win every visit at each property. And we don't gamble significant money from their point of view. Even if they looked at our play in detail, what would they see? Casino One would see he was here by himself for a few hours and won some money. Then they were back as a couple a few weeks later, and he won and she lost. Casino Two would see... They were here overnight on two occasions. They won some money the first visit, and they lost some money the second visit. What they're not seeing is if you combine those visits, if you combine those trips, if you combine the property Casino 1 and the property Casino 2, our home casino, we won money on both visits. Both visits to that area, not both visits to each property. They see some wins and some losses. We see the total of all the wins and all the losses. So the answer to the question is no. I'm not worried about casinos finding out that we win more months than we lose on a cash basis or that they give us enough free stuff to cover the few losing months that we have. I'm not worried about that because A, we are not playing at a level that attracts attention. B, no one casino or one casino brand sees the entire picture. And C, 
even if neither A nor B is always true, we look like lucky drunks compared to a casino full of unlucky drunks. Okay, our next segment is A Moment of Casino Wisdom. Casino Wisdom number 47 was on my mind this past weekend while we were at Casino One. It was a small thing, something I doubt even Mrs. TRG sitting right beside me thought anything about. Casino Wisdom number 47 teaches us that the house's biggest advantage isn't the mathematical advantage they have in our game of choice. It's that in comparison to a player, the house has infinite time and infinite money. And a caveat needs to be put in place here since this is a comparison to the house. I suppose there could be someone out there listening who does have enough money to break the house, that they have infinite money in comparison to the house. I'm sure there are some small properties that if you went in and started betting $50,000 a hand and, and were winning, that they would refuse your action because you could actually break them. You could actually win more than they have liquid and available. I suppose that's possible, or 500 k not 50 k I suppose that could happen, uh, but... That said, most of us aren't that person. Actually, that reminds me of a story that I read a long, long time ago, and I don't remember where I read it. I don't remember the source to point you in that direction to validate this. So I guess we're going to consider this story hearsay, but I remember it really stuck with me at the time. It's one of my favorite, and it shows how accurate this casino wisdom is, even for big players. But before Harris bought the horseshoe in downtown Las Vegas, it was owned by the Binion family. It was the mint before it was the horseshoe, and it's back to being Binion's casino now. The Binion family bought the property back, even though Harris, which became Caesars, which is still Caesars but is owned by El Dorado, uh, owns the brand, the horseshoe brand, the horseshoe name. Uh, the casino was started by the legendary Benny Binion. His casino had a reputation for taking any bet, including bets larger than other casinos at the time would take. And a wealthy man from Texas, as I recall the story, used to fly in a couple of times a month, fully comped, of course, and play a lot of craps with very large wagers. He went on a long winning streak, always staying in the best suite, eating the best meals, while his wife went on expensive shopping trips at the expense of the casino. At one point, he had won over $12 million playing craps, and he was having dinner with one of the members of the Binion family, and I'm sorry I don't recall which one, but the family member asked him this. They said, you've got us for $12 million. We've taken your wife shopping. We always comp everything. What, what else do you want? Just what, what else do you want? And, and this player, who'd won $12 million, looked the person asking the question straight in the eye and said, the title to the casino. I'm not stopping until I own the place. And the family member's reply was wonderful. The family member's reply was, okay, good luck then. Let us know if you need anything else. And for me, that's a pretty baller move from a small family-owned casino already down $12 million to one player. But perhaps the Binion family understood this casino wisdom before I even created it. The player continued to gamble and over the course of the next 12 months lost back all $12 million that, that he had won and another $10 million before finally stopping his quest to own the Horseshoe Casino in downtown Las Vegas. An excellent illustration of how even wealthy people need all of the core concepts to overcome the house advantage and an excellent illustration of the fact that the house has infinite time and infinite money compared to even wealthy players. 
So back to our casino wisdom. The action in this casino wisdom is not clearly stated. It's implied, and maybe that means it needs to be amended and a, and a clearer action included. But the implied action is, don't gamble if you have either limited time or limited money. Obviously, we saw in my illustration that even a small property can outlast a millionaire. Most of us cannot compete with the house's bankroll at that level. We're not going to have infinite money. But we can make sure our bankroll is appropriate for the bets we are going to make. I've said many times that if your bankroll won't support a 10-unit buy-in at three different tables, you should not gamble at all. Obviously, many people are comfortable with having more than that many buy-ins available. Three is just the minimum to even try, in my opinion. What I saw over this past weekend that prompted this segment was someone ignoring both aspects of this wisdom, but most critically, ignoring the time aspect of this wisdom on his way to ignoring the bankroll aspect. For the sake of good storytelling, while also avoiding potential copyright issues, let's call the star of our story Speedster Soon Gone Zalas, or SSGZ for short. As Speedster Soon Gonzalez approached our blackjack table, they were just a few, there were just a few hands left in the shoe. We were almost to the end of the shoe, and one of the other players had just received a blackjack, and so he politely asked SSGZ to wait a few hands before joining the game. This is a very common request, and usually it's offered, uh, honored by most people. But in this case, the reply was, I only have a few hands to play. I can't wait. My ride's going to be here in 30 minutes, and she's going to be pissed if I'm not ready to go. I can't sit out hands. So he hands over $180, which included a fair number of crumpled fives and ones. Of course, a pile of small bills takes longer for a dealer to process than a set of large bills. And the entire time the dealer is separating the money into the correct piles, placing the heads all in the same direction on the bills, and uncrumpling the crumpled ones and five, SSGZ is saying, come on, let's go, come on, come on, let's go, let's go, come on, come on, let's go, I gotta get going, come on, let's go. His, open, his opening bet is $30, which I consider too large for a $180 buy-in, you know, but what do I know? I've only been doing a podcast about it for over a year. And then when another player checks a strategy card on this first hand to, to determine how to play an ace and a seven against a dealer's nine, a tough hand to remember how to play, SSGZ is chattering. It doesn't matter. Just play. Just play. Come on. Let's go. Just play. It doesn't matter what you do. Obviously a player who has limited time trying to win quickly. This continued, and I'm not going to go through it hand by hand. He didn't play that many hands anyway. Cards had to be shuffled and cut and all that, which kept him agitated the whole time because he'd come in with only a couple hands left. But as I said, he was agitating, making more basic strategy mistakes and generally being a jerk to the other players who had been having a nice friendly game before he arrived. His session finished with his phone buzzing in the middle of a hand while he repeated, come on, let's go, come on, let's go, over and over and over again. And he won that hand. And he didn't leave. His phone's still buzzing. It's buzzing again. He looks at his phone, and he goes all in with his last $75, the biggest bet he'd made that far. And, of course, he lost, and he slammed the table hard enough to make everyone's chips bounce, and then he almost run, is almost running as he heads for the exit. I mean, look, anything can happen in a casino. A win could have happened for Speedster Soon Gonzalez, but despite that, his outcome was fairly predictable. I assumed that the most likely outcome was he was going to lose everything and lose it very quickly. He was overbetting his bankroll and basing some of his plays on time available, not basic strategy. He appeared to not only need a win, but to need that win fast. It didn't need to be that way. We were at a $15 table. Those are readily available at this casino all the time. If he had limited time, he should have left without gambling and returned another day. 
If he suppose he started with three buy-ins, right? And he was down to a little more than one buy-in left. $180 is enough to make a solid run at winning some money at a $15 table. But you have to bet within the limit of your bankroll, and you have to have time to let the process play out. You can't push it. You can't try to make the table do what you want it to do. Casino Wisdom number 47 teaches us to make sure we have enough time and enough money before we gamble. It teaches us not to gamble if we don't have enough of either of those things, especially if what we are short on is time. Being short on time leads to bad choices almost every time it's tried. We're going to finish up this episode in the virtual VIP lounge and discuss the results of last month's gambling. A little bit of the bubbly. Our virtual VIP lounge is open. The VIP lounge with the best imaginary of everything almost all the time. And often some really good beverages available to your host in real life as well. I'm going to enjoy a local IPA today. I hope you'll press pause for a moment and join me if you can. I often take a moment at this point each month and ask you, please, please, please do not hear this as bragging or boasting that these are modest results from modest gambling. But I don't need to do that this month since I doubt anyone is going to listen to this and think I'm bragging or boasting. And I'm not going to bury the lead or drag things out or make you wait to find out we had a losing month, folks. Both from a cash money point of view, a lost and spent point of view, and a stuff received making up for what we lost and spent point of view. It was a losing month. One of the very few truly losing months I've had to share with you as part of this podcast. A month where I spent time making up for losses with money from the safe, then putting some wins back in the safe before taking them back out again. Hopefully this demonstrates that I'm doing my best to share real data with you. Because at some level, it's not fun to sit in front of this microphone and tell you about a losing month. It's really not. It's not my favorite thing to do. In the first year of the podcast, we won seven months out of the 12 months. And we spent our way to a loss in at least one month. It could have been bigger than that if we'd focused exclusively on winning and, and, and made our spending match up. We chose not to do that. We're really happy we didn't choose to do that. And we're really happy with seven winning months out of 12. We had a nice profit for the first year of the podcast. But we started the new podcast year with a losing month. Here are the results. I have once again converted this to the if a day's pay for me was $1 standard. I do that by dividing all of the information I track by my personal day's pay number. If you want to see what this would look like as a loss in your life, determine what you earn in a day. Multiply all the numbers I'm going to give you by that amount. So if your day's pay number is 200 and I say we received 63 cents in free slot play, multiply 200 by 0.63 and you've converted my numbers into your numbers. For the record, and I've never shared this before, it's never exactly seemed relevant, but it seems like maybe it is. For the record, my day's pay number isn't really what I earn in a day. I'm self-employed. I have monthly and quarterly contracts for a variety of services. I also bill some things by the hour. Some days I bill one hour. Some days I bill 10 hours, depending on what needs to be done. So I don't have a, you know, as, a, as my job, I don't know that at the end of every two weeks I get X dollars and, you know, X dollars divided by X days equals a day's pay. Now, my day's pay number comes from before the podcast on days when I didn't have any work to do. I would head, head to the casino with an amount of money I wanted to cover in my head. I knew what I wanted to earn because my real job wasn't going to pay me anything that day. An amount that if I ever managed to win that amount consistently would allow gambling to completely replace my real job if it wanted to. 
an amount that would give a comfortable six-figure income just from gambling. That's the nirvana, folks. That's, that's the end of the rainbow to be that good. And I'm not sure that's a realistic one, but hey, what the heck? We might as well tilt at some windmills. So that's my number. When I started the podcast, that number became the day's pay number I use in each episode. So with that background, on, on to the results. We had a horrible, horrible 21 winning blackjack tables compared to 41 losing tables last month. Horrendous. Usually, we win more tables than we lose by a few percentage points. And we usually have, then, and when we win more tables than we lose by some percentage points, the difference between our positive and negative exit points turns that into a profit for the month. And all this comes down to, we had a weekend with a lot of small losses at both Casino 1 and Casino 2 without any offsetting wins to speak of. In the middle of the month, that's when that happened. And then we took a small loss in Atlantic City over and over and over again. Lots and lots of small losses. And those really added up this month. We won money using TRG slot strategy El Numero Dos playing 28 slot machines. And we lost money using that strategy playing 24 slot machines. Once again, usually that works for us. Usually that's more than enough. Sadly, Mrs. TRG and I each took a larger than normal loss on one machine during the month. We both got in a cycle where we weren't getting to the end of the board, the end of the buttons, and we weren't winning enough along the way. We kept going back to the beginning and, and it, it, it never worked out. And so those two machines out of, out of the 24 losing machines tipped us over the other way and it more than canceled out the wins, which is sad because we had some nice wins too. Here's how everything breaks down all the categories that I keep track of. We lost $8.11 on table games, not counting my craps experiment. My craps experiment actually helped pull that number up a bit, contributing $1.10 back into, in, into the gambling process. We lost 72 cents playing slot machines with our own money. We were given 34 cents in free slot play and won 43 cents. So that's a bright spot. Slot strategy number one, overperformed for the month. I, I expect to win about half of what we are given in free slot play using that strategy, and instead we won more than we were given. Roll all that together, and our total loss from gambling was $7.37, plus the money won at craps, so a little less than that. We had $3.16 in expenses related to gambling, so our expenses weren't horrible, even with the trip to Atlantic City. On a cash basis, our profit and loss, including expenses, was $9.44, including the money won playing craps. And, and man, that hurts. That, that really does hurt. At least hurts from the sense of doing the podcast. It doesn't really hurt in real life, but from the sense of the podcast, it hurts. However, we received $6.68 in comps, $0.22 cents in match bets, $0.09 cents in free bets, and $0.53 cents in gifts. By observation, I mentioned a month ago when we wrapped up that I expected the gift category to turn around, and obviously it did. Big change from last month. All said and done, adding in the value of everything we received and our total loss this month doing casino combat is 81 cents. And that doesn't hurt nearly as bad when you, when you think that, okay, the total negative, what we received compared to what we lost and spent is, is 81 cents. Less than a third of a day's pay, eh, that's not horrible. I don't hate that. But ideally, no month is a losing month by that standard. That's the goal, right? We don't want any month to be a losing month on that basis. So there you go. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Not a great start to the new Casino Combat year. I am so glad this wasn't the first month 
on record a year ago. Imagine if this was the first record last year. Everyone would have been discouraged. Myself, Mrs. TRG, anyone brave enough to listen in those early days of the podcast. My history before and during the podcast suggests that there are some good months ahead of us. But past performance and all of that, blah, blah, blah. I guess we just need a bit of a tease here. Stick around and see if TRG can turn things around and get back on track with some winning months in future episodes of our Casino Combat Podcast. (laughs) Um, If you're playing the casino chip game, there are 10 in this episode. Please tip your waitresses, tip your bartenders, tip your dealers. Don't tip away your wins, folks. Remember your casino wisdoms. I have spoken. Everything you heard here is true from a certain point of view. It's time for leaving, and I hope you understand I was born a rambling man. Love it. Hate it. It don't matter. Please share with your family and friends. Goodbye, everyone. Thanks for listening.